0: Hello, everyone. Today, I want to talk to you about the Beatitudes and how they can help us become better human beings. The Beatitudes are eight blessings taught by Jesus in scripture based on his teachings at the Sermon on the Mount. They begin with blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And end with blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These teachings are a beautiful guide to living a life of love, kindness, and compassion. So, what does it mean to be a good human? It means to follow the Beatitudes and embody their teachings. To be poor in spirit means to be humble and recognize that we are not better than others. To mourn is to be empathetic and compassionate towards those who are suffering. To be meek is to be gentle and kind-hearted. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to strive for justice and fairness for all. To be merciful is to show kindness and forgiveness to others. To be pure in heart is to have a good and honest intention. To be a peacemaker is to promote harmony and unity. And finally, to be persecuted for righteousness is to stand up for what is right, even in the face of adversity. To follow the Beatitudes is to be truly awoke. If we embody these principles, we can make the world a better place. We can create a world where people are kind to each other where we show empathy and compassion towards those in need, and where we strive for justice and fairness for all. In conclusion, let us all strive to be good human beings by following the teachings of the Beatitudes. Let us be humble, empathetic, kind-hearted, just, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, and stand up for what is right. By doing so, we can create a better world for ourselves and for future generations. To be a Christian, follow the Beatitudes and to follow the Beatitudes is to be awoken. People, it's time to wake up. This message is brought to you by the Franciscans of Joy of the Gospel and the Independent Catholic Church of the Americas.
1: Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that that old-time religion. It's good enough for me oh, give me that old time religion give me that old time religion give me that old time religion it's good enough for me it was good for the hebrew children it was good for the hebrew children it was good for the hebrew children and it's good enough for me give me that old time religion give me that Old time religion, give me that, me that old religion. time religion. Yeah, it's good enough, good enough for me. Oh. Give me that old time religion. religion, give me that oh. old time religion. 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 It's, it's good, good enough, enough for me. me. It will do when the world's on fire. It will do when the world's on fire. It will do when the world's on fire enough for me Give me that old Tyree
2: Toxic Christianity, it's a thing and it's reaching pandemic proportions. I was taught and I truly believe that love was supposed to be central to our faith as Christians because it was taught to me not only by my parents, but throughout my years of weekly catechism classes. This love has been reinforced in every Christian movie, article, homily, and Christian TV show I have ever watched, heard, or read. Regardless of denominational source. It seems though that the Beatitudes and the Great Commandment do not share the importance to others today, as it does to me. I still believe these are essential and critical to the teachings of Jesus and the foundation of Christianity, no matter the denomination. The concept of love is central to Christian ethics. At least it used to be. Love is non-negotiable if you claim to be a Christian. This is Christianity 101. But instead what I see is toxic Christianity growing like wildfire on social media poisoning the hearts of people and the teachings of Christ. For those of you who are unaware of the term, toxic Christianity it is an expression used to describe a FORM of Christian belief or practice that is harmful, oppressive, or abusive. It's basically hate dressed in Christianity, which isn't Christianity. It can manifest in various ways, such as promoting intolerance, discrimination, or hate towards certain groups of people, and in doing so it uses religion to justify and perpetuate the abusive behavior, while enforcing strict and harmful religious practices that can lead to physical, emotional or spiritual harm. To sum it up, these individuals are mean, really mean, in fact they're more than mean. Toxic Christianity can have a negative impact on individuals, communities, and society as a whole. And it is working. The psychological factors that contribute to this toxic behavior includes, but is not limited to, rigid thinking, intolerance, and a lack of empathy. Rigid thinking, intolerance, and a lack of empathy are characteristics that may be associated with any of several personality disorders. One particular personality disorder that may exhibit these traits is narcissistic personality disorder. Individuals with Narcissistic Personality Disorder often have an exaggerated sense of self-importance, characterized by a lack of empathy for others, and may struggle with a rigid thinking patterns which they can't or won't change. And although Toxic Christianity isn't in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, it exists and is as legitimate as any diagnosis in the manual. Toxic Christianity is a theological TRM and not a psychological diagnosis. But it does have psychological components. And with concern to personality disorders, we need a physician to make an actual diagnosis. Unlike a theological assessment. This podcast and myself are not making a diagnosis, but simply defining a term. But as any observer of the human condition can see, these negative traits are obvious to the untrained eye no matter what we call it, or what profession labels it. Can Christians be called Christian if they demonstrate harmful, oppressive, or abusive behaviors towards others with ego and rigid thinking, placing them on a self-imposed moral high ground, that leads to intolerance and a lack of empathy toward those they see as different? It is important to note that Christianity teaches love, kindness, forgiveness, and empathy towards all people, regardless of their differences. This is fact. This is truth. And it seems like it has also been forgotten. If someone who identifies as a Christian exhibits harmful, oppressive, or abusive behaviors towards others, it goes against the core values of Christianity and should call into question their understanding and practice of the faith. Can a Christian be a Christian in name only? Or does he or she have to live a certain lifestyle? The Catholic tradition of Christianity is a faith that emphasizes a personal relationship with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This relationship is based on unconditional love. While a person can identify as a Christian by name, it is important to note that Christianity involves a commitment to living a certain lifestyle. A lifestyle of love, compassion, inclusion and understanding. This includes following the teachings of Jesus the Christ, which emphasizes love, kindness, forgiveness, and empathy towards others, as well as living a life that is aligned with these principles. Following the teachings of Christ is what makes us Christian. It's our actions more than our words. Therefore, if someone identifies as a Christian but does not live a lifestyle that reflects these values, they may be considered a Christian in name only. In short, if you talk the talk, you better walk the walk. Let's be clear, toxic Christianity exists. Here are some examples of toxic Christianity. 1. Religious extremism. When religious beliefs are taken to an extreme, they can lead to dangerous behavior such as violence, discrimination, and exclusion of others who do not share the same beliefs. Religious extremism refers to the beliefs and practices of individuals or groups who hold extreme or fanatical views in the name of religion. Here are some examples of Christian religious extremism. It is important to note that these examples represent a small minority of individuals within their respective denominations and do not reflect the beliefs and practices of the majority of religious adherents. Christian Identity This movement is characterized by white supremacist and anti-Semitic beliefs, often rooted in a distorted interpretation of Christianity. Some adherents of Christian identity believe that white people are the true Israelites and that Jews and people of color are inferior. This would include groups like the KKK, the Westboro Baptist Church, This small but notorious Christian church in the United States is known for its extreme anti-gay beliefs and protests at military funerals, claiming that God is punishing America for its tolerance of homosexuality. And although it is important to note that not all traditional Roman Catholics are extremists, and that the vast majority of Roman Catholics do not support extremist views or actions. There are some individuals and groups within the traditional Roman Catholic movement who hold extremist beliefs and engage in violent or aggressive actions in the name of their faith. One example of Christian extremism within the traditional Roman Catholic movement is the Society of St. Pius X, or SSPX, a group that broke away from the Roman Catholic Church in 1988 over disagreements about the reforms of the Second Vatican Council. Some members of the SSPX have been accused of anti-Semitic beliefs and denying the Holocaust, as well as promoting a vision of a Catholic-only society that excludes non-Catholic individuals and groups. Another example is the Catholic militant group known as the Legionnaires of Christ, which was disbanded in 2010 after it was revealed that its founder, Marcial Maciel, had sexually abused minors and fathered multiple children. Some former members of the group have accused it of promoting a cult-like atmosphere and using aggressive tactics to silence criticism and dissent. It is important to note that these examples represent a small minority of individuals within the traditional Roman Catholic movement, and that the vast majority of Roman Catholics reject extremist beliefs and actions. 2. The Prosperity Gospel This is a belief system that teaches that financial wealth and material possessions are a sign of God's favor. In turn it can lead to a focus on materialism and greed, and can also make people feel guilty or ashamed if they are not financially successful. There is no scripture that directly supports the prosperity gospel, as it is commonly preached today. The prosperity gospel, interpretation of biblical principles of prosperity and abundance that some preachers use to promote the idea that God wants all believers to be financially prosperous is a modern-day con. Critics of the prosperity gospel argue that it can be a misleading and manipulative interpretation of Christian theology that focuses excessively on wealth and material possessions. The argument is that it preys on vulnerable individuals by promising them financial prosperity and blessings from God in exchange for financial donations to a particular organization or person, or adherence to certain beliefs and practices. While some individuals may genuinely believe in the prosperity gospel and find it helpful in their lives, it is important to be aware of potential abuses and to approach any religious teaching with discernment and critical thinking. And yet many theologians and scholars argue that this interpretation is misguided and ultimately contradicts the teachings of Jesus. Fact. Jesus himself warns against the dangers of wealth and material possessions. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then in Mark chapter 10, verse 25, he says, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. While the Bible does teach principles of abundance and prosperity, the focus is often on spiritual and eternal riches rather than material wealth. Jesus teaches that true wealth comes from a relationship with God and living a life of service to others. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19-20, through 20, He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Therefore, it is important to be cautious of interpretations of biblical teachings that promote the accumulation of wealth as the ultimate goal of the Christian life. True prosperity comes from a life dedicated to serving God and others, not from the pursuit of material wealth. 3. Spiritual abuse. This refers to the use of religious teachings or practices to control, manipulate, or harm others. It can include emotional, physical, or sexual abuse that can occur within religious or spiritual contexts such as using religious teachings to shame or blame individuals. Spiritual abuse often includes manipulation and control, where leaders or members of a religious group use their influence to manipulate and control others, exerting undue influence over their beliefs, thoughts, and actions. This can include shaming and guilt-tripping where individuals may be made to feel ashamed or guilty for asking questions and questioning or doubting their faith, or for failing to adhere to strict religious rules or standards. With spiritual abuse we often witness the withholding of information where leaders or members of a religious group may withhold important information or teachings from others, or restrict access to certain resources or materials. Isolation may also occur as individuals may be encouraged or forced to cut ties with friends or family members who do not share their religious beliefs, or to limit their exposure to outside influences. Financial exploitation can be seen with spiritual abuse as leaders or members of a religious group may pressure individuals to donate money or resources, or may use their position to enrich themselves at the expense of others. Sexual abuse can also be a FORM of spiritual abuse when it is perpetrated by religious leaders or members who use their position of authority to exploit or manipulate others. Spiritual abuse is often associated with cult-like behavior such as strict hierarchical structures, indoctrination, and a charismatic leader. For homophobia and transphobia Some Christians use their religious beliefs to justify discrimination against LGBTQ plus individuals, which can be incredibly harmful and damaging. For more on this refer back to our previous podcasts on homosexuality, transgender, and Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's be clear. Toxic Christianity Exists Here are some examples of toxic Christianity. 1. Religious extremism When religious beliefs are taken to an extreme, they can lead to dangerous behavior such as violence, discrimination, and exclusion of others who do not share the same beliefs. Religious extremism refers to the beliefs and practices of individuals or groups who hold extreme or fanatical views in the name of religion. Here are some examples of Christian religious extremism. It is important to note that these examples represent a small minority of individuals within their respective denominations and do not reflect the beliefs and practices of the majority of religious adherents. Christian identity. This movement is characterized by white supremacist and anti-Semitic beliefs, often rooted in a distorted interpretation of Christianity. Some adherents of Christian identity believe that white people are the true Israelites and that Jews and people of color are inferior. This would include groups like the KKK. The Westboro Baptist Church. This small but notorious Christian church in the United States is known for its extreme anti-gay beliefs and protests at military funerals, claiming that God is punishing America for its tolerance of homosexuality. And although it is important to note that not all traditional Roman Catholics are extremists, and that the vast majority of Roman Catholics do not support extremist views or actions. There are some individuals and groups within the traditional Roman Catholic movement who hold extremist beliefs and engage in violent or aggressive actions in the name of their faith. One example of Christian extremism within the traditional Roman Catholic movement is the Society of Saint Pius X, or SSPX, a group that broke away from the Roman Catholic Church in 1988 over disagreements about the reforms of the Second Vatican Council. Some members of the SSPX have been accused of anti-Semitic beliefs and denying the Holocaust, as well as promoting a vision of a Catholic-only society that excludes non-Catholic individuals and groups. Another example is the Catholic militant group known as the Legionnaires of Christ, which was disbanded in 2010 after it was revealed that its founder, Marcial Maciel, had sexually abused minors and fathered multiple children. Some former members of the group have accused it of promoting a cult-like atmosphere and using aggressive tactics to silence criticism and dissent. It is important to note that these examples represent a small minority of individuals within the traditional Roman Catholic movement, and that the vast majority of Roman Catholics reject extremist beliefs and actions. To The Prosperity Gospel. This is a belief system that teaches that financial wealth and material possessions are a sign of God's favor. In turn it can lead to a focus on materialism and greed, and can also make people feel guilty or ashamed if they are not financially successful. There is no scripture that directly supports the prosperity gospel as it is commonly preached today. The prosperity gospel, interpretation of biblical principles of prosperity and abundance that some preachers use to promote the idea that God wants all believers to be financially prosperous is a modern-day con. Critics of the prosperity gospel argue that it can be a misleading and manipulative interpretation of Christian theology that focuses excessively on wealth and material possessions. The argument is that it preys on vulnerable individuals by promising them financial prosperity and blessings from God in exchange for financial donations to a particular organization or person, or adherence to certain beliefs and practices. While some individuals may genuinely believe in the prosperity gospel and find it helpful in their lives, it is important to be aware of potential abuses and to approach any religious teaching with discernment and critical thinking. And yet many theologians and scholars argue that this interpretation is misguided and ultimately contradicts the teachings of Jesus. Fact. Jesus himself warns against the dangers of wealth and material possessions. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And then in Mark chapter 10, verse 25, he says, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. While the Bible does teach principles of abundance and prosperity, the focus is often on spiritual and eternal riches rather than material wealth. Jesus teaches that true wealth comes from a relationship with God and living a life of service to others. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19-20, through he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Therefore, it is important to be cautious of interpretations of biblical teachings that promote the accumulation of wealth as the ultimate goal of the Christian life. True prosperity comes from a life dedicated to serving God and others, not from the pursuit of material wealth. 3. Spiritual abuse. This refers to the use of religious teachings or practices to control, manipulate, or harm others. It can include emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, that can occur within religious or spiritual contexts such as using religious teachings to shame or blame individuals. Spiritual abuse often includes manipulation and control, where leaders or members of a religious group use their influence to manipulate and control others, exerting undue influence over their beliefs, thoughts, and actions. This can include shaming and guilt-tripping. Where individuals may be made to feel ashamed or guilty for asking questions and questioning or doubting their faith, or for failing to adhere to strict religious rules or standards. With spiritual abuse we often witness the withholding of information where leaders or members of a religious group may withhold important information or teachings from others, or restrict access to certain resources or materials. Isolation may also occur as individuals may be encouraged or forced to cut ties with friends or family members who do not share their religious beliefs, or to limit their exposure to outside influences. Financial exploitation can be seen with spiritual abuse as leaders or members of a religious group may pressure individuals to donate money or resources, or may use their position to enrich themselves at the expense of others. Sexual abuse can also be a FORM of spiritual abuse when it is perpetrated by religious leaders or members who use their position of authority to exploit or manipulate others. Spiritual abuse is often associated with cult-like behavior such as strict hierarchical structures, indoctrination, and a charismatic leader. For homophobia and transphobia. Some Christians use their religious beliefs to justify discrimination against LGBTQ plus individuals, which can be incredibly harmful and damaging. For more on this refer back to our previous podcasts on homosexuality, transgender, and Sodom and Gomorrah.
1: This is Father Chris reminding each of us to act justly, love with mercy, and walk humbly with God. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. religion. It's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Religion. it's good enough for me it was good for the hebrew children it was good for the hebrew M- children it was good for the M- hebrew children, it hebrew children. It the hebrew hebrew children. and it's it good, good enough, enough for me oh. give me that old time religion. religion give me that old time now religion give me that Holy old time religion time it's good enough for me give me that old time religion give me Give me that, that old, old time, time religion. religion, it's, it's good, good enough, enough for me, it will do when the world's on fire, it will do when the world's on fire, it will, will do when the world's on fire. fire, and it's good enough for me, oh. give me that oh. old time For me. Do you believe that kindness matters? It's easy to get caught up in the business of life, but a little kindness can go a long way. A random act of kindness can brighten someone's day, and it doesn't have to be a grand gesture. It could be as simple as holding the door open for someone complimenting a stranger, or buying a cup of coffee for the person behind you in line. When you show kindness, you create a ripple effect that can make a real difference in the world. So, let's commit to being kinder to one another. Let's make it a habit to do something kind for someone every day, no matter how small. Let's spread positivity and make the world a better place, one act of kindness at a time. A message brought to you by the Franciscans of joy of the gospel and the in his holy name ministry.